0: Transmitting from the Mojave Wilderness in Joshua Tree, California Now is the time for Desert Oracle Radio The voice of the desert Night has fallen on the Mojave And I heard that Joshua Tree National Park Had nearly 3 million visitors in 2017 And it might be more next year it's good to see so many of you exploring the desert, getting joyous, stuck in your ankles, getting out there and falling in love with this landscape, this bioregion. But if you are dismayed at the traffic jams and the ruckus we have many more millions of acres of beautiful wild desert landscapes like out of a dream places where you're the only car on the road the only hiker on the trail try mojave trails national monument you get to drive historic route 66 in the process you can walk into an old volcano mouth you can see bighorn sheep. You can watch the freight trains rumble by at Kelso and Afton Canyon. Lots of quiet areas in Death Valley or the Providence Mountains or the Castle Mountains. And when you have seen all of the Mojave, which nobody has ever done, nobody has ever seen all of the Mojave... Well, then you've got the Great Basin to explore. You've got the Sonoran Desert on both sides of the border. Slick Rock and Canyon Country in Utah. Ship Rock and Monument Valley on the Navajo Lands. And you know, there's a bar in the desert of Arizona that is only open one week a year. One week a year. I had somebody planning to do a story about that in the Desert Oracle. But none of us are very reliable We try and we don't always succeed And regardless Regardless of success or failure Or more likely something in between Something in between, I guess We are expected to get up the next day And do it again Till the end The end of the road I guess it's true for the chuckwallas And the elf owls, too the Raven and the Hawk, I hope they enjoy it more than we do. Text message. Let's see, it's from uh, Anna Merlin. Anna Merlin, the New York journalist. Boy, I hope she did not get into trouble up at Area 51 again. Dear Desert Oracle Radio, I'm so sorry to do this to you but I'm heading out to the Mojave tomorrow with my partner so he can shoot something in California City. Photograph, not gun. Obviously, we will camp overnight and make a day of it on Friday. I'll scan my desert oracle back issues, but is there anything off the top of your head that you really love and think people should see out here? I want to go to Randsburg and see the not-ghost town but have not settled on anything else. Sorry to make you a desert tour guide. I'm sure people do it all the time. Well, I don't mind. I don't mind. This time of year, a lot of people come visiting, and usually when I hear from somebody coming to town, it's because they did not book a campsite or a motel, and so you're fine out there in the other end of the Mojave. California City. California City is a strange area. That's out in the Mojave High Desert north of Edwards Air Force Base up by the spaceport in Mojave. You know, I tried to convince a friend of mine, I believe it was Oz Tyler, to join me in investing in land around that spaceport. This was maybe 15 years ago. And I thought if the spaceport really got going... Not only with tourist and commercial spacecraft coming and going, but maybe also spacecraft from other worlds coming and going. Well, then you could build this cantina at the spaceport, and oh, it would be wild, full of real aliens, pirates and YouTubers, awkward weirdos from Silicon Valley strange forms of life that blink in and out of our reality, never entirely there, yet still occupying the space, occupying that bar stool. I guess there would be laser sword fights and all that, Ron Howard in a corner shooting video, what a place that would be, drink specials. So California City is or was, like so much of everything, a real estate scheme. In 1958, a real estate developer and a professor of sociology named Nat Mendelssohn, he was born in 1915 in Bohemia, just a few years before the state of Czechoslovakia was born in 1918. But he grew up in America and he converted some army barracks into a successful new neighborhood in Riverside County, and then he got the idea for a massive new master-planned city on desert ranch land a city that would rival Los Angeles in size. There were elements worthy of respect. The whole suburbia would be built around an 80-acre park, and there would be colleges and cultural centers, golf courses, of course, all drawing upon the seemingly endless clean well water from beneath the desert there. Nat Mendelson bought up some incredible desert ranch property including the massive m Ranch above Boron and the old Conklin homestead. All this raw, wild desert, mostly raw, except for the alfalfa fields on the desert floor, fed by those easy wells, always full of easy water. The area sits on an underground lake, an underground lake likely replenished by underground rivers from the Sierra Nevada. Underground rivers, underground lakes. Good Lord, we don't know half the world around us. The Mojave River itself is mostly underground, only comes up at a couple of places. The Narrows, north of Victorville, a place called Lanes Crossing, and over at Afton Canyon. And then the rest of the time, it exists beyond our sight. There's a dry river we can see, and there's another river below it. The water comes from the San Bernardino Mountains, and the river ends at Isaacs at Soda Lake. Soda Lake used to be part of Lake Mojave, the massive inland sea that was still there 9,000 years ago, the time of a society called Lake Mojave Complex by anthropologists today was likely part of the Clovis culture, and sometime between 9,000 and 6,000 years ago, the big game was all gone. No more giant ground sloth. No more easy pickings. They were forced to adapt. Anyway, you are probably departed now if you get up earlier than I do. It's a weird area of the western Mojave out by Edwards and Skunk Works, more wasteland and suburbia than whatever Joshua Tree is supposed to be, but there are treasures, both natural and unnatural. Here are some of the interesting places I would drive around to see when I lived on that side of the desert. None of them are close together, but they're all in the general on the way there or back area. There's Red Rock Canyon State Park. is beautiful canyons of multicolored rock around a scrubby desert wash. If you take geology in college out here, you will enjoy field trips to Red Rock. The 14 runs right through the middle of it. Not too far away, there's the Tortoise Preserve, the Desert Tortoise Natural Area. And there's no winter this year, so the tortoises might be out. Here's something cultural, I guess. The Kill Bill Church. I've never seen Kill Bill, but I have been to the church where Uma Thurman was what strangled by Quentin Tarantino, according to Twitter this week, I guess. Sure are a lot of problems out there. I guess I'm glad I never watched Kill Bill. But The church is there. You'll find this place at 19809 East Avenue G in Lancaster. It's a community center. And if you enjoyed being traumatized by the recent Twin Peaks series, the desert motel where Agent Cooper and Diane stop for the night before they are sent to hell, our world, After performing a depressing sex magic ritual, well, that's in the very little town of Pear Blossom. You'll find it at 13250 Pear Blossom Highway. And if you keep driving east this way, about 30 miles east to Pear Blossom, you'll come across the landscape and David Hockney's Pear Blossom Highway with Joshua trees and garbage on the roadside. When there's a grim and dying suburb called Lake Los Angeles, north of here, there is no lake. Do not camp around here as you will be murdered and cut into little pieces by roving lunatics. You know, there was a lake there long ago. And the Bonanza TV show was often filmed at this Lake Los Angeles. Put in a pine tree or two and call it Tahoe. Why not? There are three places off-base where you can visit Edwards Air Force Base displays, such as the Blackbird spy planes and the U-2. Tours are booked up a year in advance for the base itself and the Aerospace Museum on-base, but there are three places at the gates that are worth visiting. The Blackbird Air Park is at 2503 East Avenue P in Palmdale, And there's a mini-museum and a gift shop. I think it's open Fridays through Sundays. Let's see here. 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. Fridays through Sundays. The West Gate on Rosamond Boulevard has the F-Series Fighters, a whole circle of them. And the North Gate has a B-52 and some other hardware. And it's just great driving around up here. Stop in the town of Mojave and get lunch and a beer. Now, there's also Rocket Site Road, a haunted and cursed place you should see. South of the 58. Take the road as far as you can. And you'll see all these insane, giant, rusting hulks of rocket engines bolted to the mountain. Many bad things have happened here. And then you might as well turn around, go to downtown Boron, an interesting pair of museums that I believe are also open on the weekends. At the 20 Mule Team Museum, look for the display on the walking man. Ask to see the boots of the walking man. We've talked about him on the program before. I could tell you about another dozen places, but you're only there for a day or two, so I'll just tell you good luck. Hey, we've got one more campfire stories for the season down at the Ace Hotel, March 1st, that's Thursday, 7 p.m., That's also the night of a Bureau of Land Management community meeting in Joshua Tree, 7 p.m., March 1st. It's important. It regards the fate of our California desert wilderness. Well, hello to you all. You all look like very good campers. Really? Yeah. You're you're not starting fights. You're not abusing the wildlife. So happy to have you. I'm Ken Lane from Desert Oracle. We're going to do campfire stories. Has anyone ever uh, gone to summer camp and heard campfire stories? Uh, Yes. How about at a national park or some such thing with a park ranger? That too. Well, those stories at national parks. The rule is they're supposed to be true, and they're supposed to be helpful or educational in some way. I'm under no such obligation, (laughs) but the stories I tell you will still be true. There may be parts that sound fantastic and insane, but at least someone somewhere claimed such things happened. First, I want to talk a little bit about some of the wonderful desert wildlife we have in the desert. How many people here live in the desert? Oh, we have desert people. Desert people. Desert people get nervous when they hear water coming out of a lawn sprinkler by the electrical outlets. Desert people are smart that way. Not smart enough to do anything about it, but smart enough to look over with concern. You know, I've been doing these campfire stories here for about seven or eight months, and I'm starting to think there's a timer on the sprinklers. Because every time at seven o'clock when we start the campfire stories, there are a few nervous moments when the sprinklers turn on. Now, when Europeans first Came to North America and came out to the American desert, they described pretty much everything beyond the plains as what they called the Great American Desert. This was not a a world, an environment that people from, say, England or Virginia were familiar or comfortable with. Everything seemed to be wrong. First of all, there's very little water, so good luck trying to farm second. Every animal and every plant seems to sting or poke you or bite you or hiss at you or howl at you. So it took a while for observational science to catch up with the shock of so many weird, terrible animals and plants as we have across the deserts. We tonight are in the Colorado Desert. We call it the Colorado Desert because it's part of the Sonoran Desert, but it is the part of the Sonoran Desert that is west of the Colorado River, between the mountains, the coastal ranges in Southern California, transverse ranges as you go up, and the Colorado River. It is a hot desert. It's a desert that gets monsoons every year. They come up through the Gulf of California, the old Sea of Cortez the summertime. Humidity from the tropics, big thunderclouds, lightning, flash floods, loss of life and property. It's incredible. We didn't get much of that lately. Here in the Colorado desert and the desert just to the north, which is called the Mojave Desert, Joshua Tree, Yucca Valley, etc. We have a lot of curious reptiles and animals. One of my favorites is called the Western Coach Whip. It's also known as the Red Racer. This is an in-between snake in the desert, meaning it's somewhere in between. It can bite you and kill you, or you can ignore it. The Coach Whip, Red Racer, whatever you want to call it, is not venomous like a pit viper. It doesn't have those big teeth in the front that are hollow. Instead, it has kind of a grungy kind of something or other in its mouth, and it likes to bite on and chew, chew, and chew, and chew. So between the chewing and the mildly venomous saliva, somewhat like the Gila Monster, which also has a mildly venomous saliva, the Coach Whip can do a lot of damage, even though it's not a rattlesnake. Coach Whip is a weird-looking snake. Uh, You see one zipping by, and you usually see them zip by. That's why they're called Red Racers. The tail becomes like the end of a whip as you go from the red to the black to the end of the whip. This is why the pioneers out in the desert saw this thing, and they said, well, it looks like a bull whip. It looks like you can pull it right by the head and use it as a bullet on your horses or your jackass mule or whatever you had if you were lucky enough to have some kind of pack animal out in the desert. So the legend spread from the early pioneers in the desert that the Red Racer had a special skill. The Red Racer, the western coach whip... If you grabbed at it, it, would whip its tail around your neck and choke you to death. A lot of scientists believed this in the 1800s, mid1800s, mostly scientists who had never been to the desert. If you've ever seen old illustrations, line drawings, kind of encyclopedia type illustrations desert animals from the Victorian era. And I frequently use them in Desert Oracle. That's the magazine we publish in Joshua Tree. It's more of a book than a magazine, especially in how frequently it comes out. I like to use those illustrations, and I mostly like to use them because they look off. They look like somebody described a desert animal, perhaps in a letter, without drawing it. And it may be sent it back to England where someone just kind of went wild with their imagination the Red Racer is a fierce hunter it can climb trees it can climb fences it can climb through your window it is not shy or indifferent like most say rattlesnakes gopher snakes the Red Racer is kind of mean if you get to know it the red racer is the only snake i've ever seen in three plus decades of roaming the deserts that will come right at you they'll hunt birds out of trees they'll catch lizards as lizards jump from one rock to another they're fantastic animals but they will not wrap their tail around your neck and strangle you that is a falsehood So when you see a red racer, don't touch it. Just because it's not really poisonous doesn't mean it cannot hurt you. There are lots of drunken fools who have gone camping over the years who have tussled with them, and they have big, chewy wounds on their hands and other extremities. you don't generally see a Sasquatch or our desert Sasquatch, the Yucca Man, in a strip mall you usually don't see them on the bus you usually don't see them at Starbucks but you do see such things if you're in the right frame of mind and you're lucky and it's the right time in the wilderness the wilderness is where our mind does something a little different or maybe there are really monsters we're not sure deserts as preserves are places that we can kind of keep in the back of our mind we can keep them in the back of our mind even when we're not there we can use them for different things we can as so many people do now go stay a weekend and airbnb and 29 palms go for a hike in death valley get out away from the noise often even away from cell phone coverage, which is very nice if you can get it, and experience a a different reality. And even when you're not there, the writer Edward Abbey said, wilderness should be there as an escape valve, as a place where if all else fails, you have a place to run and hide. John the Baptist hid in the desert wilderness, dressed in animal skin, baptizing people by the river. He probably could not have gotten away with that in town. It's our escape valve. Especially around a place with 24 million people, which is what Southern California has. The deserts and mountains that ring this most populous part of the most populous state in the country. We need, just in case, just in case. And then if you break. If your brain breaks and you can no longer live in the city or the suburb, then you might want to move there. So I've heard. When you move out to the desert, you quickly find that your neighbors don't really want to talk to you either. So it's kind of nice. There's a proverb. I can never remember it exactly, right? It's been a while since Sunday school, but it was something like... If your neighbor does not prevent you from always visiting, eventually your neighbor will grow to hate you and kill you. That's not exact King James Version, but it's something like that. And it's really one of the wonders of going out and staying in a cabin where you can walk outside on a desert night. A desert night like this, stars in the sky, not too much light pollution. And life doesn't seem so small anymore. You know, it was 50 years ago that Edward Abbey's classic, The Bible of Desert Conservation, a book of beauty and importance full of bracing prose and adventure and comic misadventure it was 50 years ago when that was first published desert solitaire it is a very important book but besides that it is a great book to read i wrote something about it for the los angeles times it's in the sunday book section i believe it's already online And I needed to look at Ed Abbey's great book again to refresh some details in my memory, to find a quote or two to include in the piece. And my God, that book is impossible to put down. I first discovered it, I first read it in January 1983, 35 years ago now. And it's not an exaggeration to say it changed my life and gave me mission and purpose, not to mention a very bad example to follow in the author, Edward Abbey. Bad in some ways, mostly good. Edward Abbey never got rich, he never got that famous. He got married too often, and most of his life was frittered away making late child support payments and waiting for this or that government ranger job government fire lookout job a way to pay for food and wine and books without sitting in a windowless office under fluorescent lights you know he did that too he sat in offices writing technical manuals for washer dryers he sat in offices approving people's requests for financial aid and food stamps But he never did it for long. He could not take it. There's a lot more coming this year from Desert Oracle in celebration of a half-century of Desert Solitaire. Go read it if you have not read it. And if it's been a while, read it again. It'll put a spring in your step, some fire in your belly. We mention March 1 as the last date of our last campfire stories of the season. A pleasant night under the stars and around a campfire. Thursday night, 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. It's free. It's open to all. The Ace Hotel and Swim Club in Palm Springs. Thanks for listening to Desert Oracle on KCDZ. And good night from the voice of the desert.